Hey there, this is relationship coach Roy Biancolana, a recent guest on the very podcast that you are about to listen to. Well, get ready and buckle your seats because Aubrey is about to take you on the road to rediscovery with another great episode. Sit back and enjoy. Our lives are laid out on a road of bumps, turns, struggles, and more. How do we respond? How do we endure adversity for learning and growth? I'm Aubrey Johnson, and we'll explore these questions and more on The Roads Rediscovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Roads Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life lessons to learn and grow from them, and of course, take it to the next level and uplift others who are struggling through dark times. Now, a quick reminder that you can hear The, the Road to Rediscovery anywhere you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, we invite you to leave a rate and review. Otherwise, please shoot us an email at roadsrediscoverypodcast at gmail.com. That's road to rediscovery podcast at gmail.com and we'll give you a, a shout out in a future episode we really really appreciate your support and feedback now as you know this show thrives on featuring amazing guests who have overcome tremendous struggles and challenges for your benefit right but not for your benefit and not just knowing that you're not alone in your pain but also for learning tools and techniques, right? To overcome your adversity. The storms, of, the storms of adversity always seem to hit us when we're in a seemingly less than ideal state, doesn't it? In my opinion, um, by definition, uh, that's why they're called struggles, right? I don't think these would be such a struggle if we were in an ideal or optimal condition. That's just my humble opinion. Having endured an abusive childhood, post-traumatic stress, mental health challenges, and a lot more, my special guest has not only overcome, he's thrived and continues to thrive. Having finished an Ironman, ran the Boston Marathon five times, including once on crutches. Oh my goodness. And has earned a black belt. Also thriving in his career as a top mortgage originator, he's also raised over $500,000 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation and is the founder of the Thrive Foundation, a nonprofit uh, foundation. We're going to talk about it all, ladies and gentlemen, the highs, the lows, as well as his new book, Thriving in the Storm, Nine Principles to Help You Overcome Any Anxiety. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to Mr. Bill Murphy. Bill, it's so great to have you on the show, sir. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Abby. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be on here with you. Oh, thank you, sir. We appreciate your time and coming on the show for sure. Um, now, Bill... I understand that you were consistently consumed with fear and doubt early in life. Uh, can you start by giving the listeners a glimpse into what was life like for Bill Murphy growing up? Yeah, so uh, it's pretty rough childhood. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a pretty, pretty uh, 
toxic environment and it was a it was a lot of uh shaming um a lot of physical and ver verbal abuse um you know never never could rise up enough to please um you know my dad in this case uh, you know to make sure that you know he was satisfied or happy and it was always uh, it, i was always i was never good enough so there's the unworthiness and you know mm -hmm. and it was never nothing i did was ever good enough so then i i learned to get out of the way because there was always usually consequences for me not being good enough usually in the form of chores um and uh and it was something that you know if he if he was gonna treat me to a fishing trip or a hunting trip that i didn't want to go on then i would pay the price <laughs> so oh. um it would be you know it was, it was just i just learned to to get out of that so that's that was the unworthiness the doubt mm -hmm. never good mm -hmm. enough i would just mm -hmm. it was not a clean it, it was not a clean act to uh persevere and develop mm -hmm. uh, those it was survival back then survival mm -hmm. strategies um to you know to make it um and then it was part of you know spite i'll i'll show you that i'm worthy mm -hmm. i'll you that I can make it. I'll show you that I'm good enough. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of, that was kind of the mindset there. So it sounds like um, there was a sense of resilience in the uh, I'll show you phase. Uh, but but one thing I, I've seen, I guess, um, in, in the formative years, right? Uh, children can be quite impressionable. And um, the, the it's not good enough um, did, did any a part of that uh, in your early childhood years, um, I guess anywhere between five and 10, give you any sense of, I don't know, self-doubt, inadequacy, um, uh, maybe attack uh, your self-esteem or impact your self-esteem in a negative way? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I loved to lose myself in sports. And I was a yeah. decent athlete, but I always had to work hard. You know, I had to work yeah, hard. Yeah else but but i would lose myself in sports but i think all that doubt that was on my shoulders from the home life carried on the field so i mean hmm. to this day i, I look around and I'll, I'll be i'll be you know lining up in a marathon or and it's my seventh or eighth one or i'll be doing an iron man hmm. and, and, and it's hmm. been multiple and i look around i'll be like look at these athletes and look at these um you know these human freaks of nature and all this other stuff like I, do i belong here and then i have to talk myself into yes i'll show them that i belong here that kind of thing so so as you asked that question you brought me back to the same it was the same way to persevere back then as mm -hmm. a kid to to mm -hmm. the adult life I mean, we're unpacking that but you know and i've worked through it but yeah. that's uh you know, even my martial arts, you know, I work hard, I, re I work hard. And, you know, when I'm on the, on the mats or on the floor, it's, you know, I mm -hmm. know my, I'm physically, I have the physical ability to hang and yet the doubt, the doubt creeps in. So yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I understand. And thank you for clarifying that bill, because um, I, 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 that's one thing I, I, I like for us to unpack for the listeners. And you, you clearly did that in the source of that resilience, right? Because uh, um, at age five or six, we don't, we're still trying to feel our way through, right? And um, the, the feedback and things that we're getting from, um, from our parents, 
older siblings and things like that. You know, I mean, these are people we count on. These are people we look up to. And and when when there's disappointment, you know, whether it's our fault or not, I mean, you know, we're we don't want to disappoint, you know, and so we feel uh, it's easy to, 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 to feel, you know, like uh, having sense of low self-esteem, self-doubt, um, um, adequacy, inadequacy and that sort of thing. So it seems like your source of resilience came from feeling like you had to prove yourself that you were worthy of being amongst the other athletes, like in, uh, in, in, school sports and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it, 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 it also translated into workaholism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, workaholic. Mm-hmm. Now, so extreme sports and workaholism is the path that I went down to went down with my, with my upbringing. Now there's this yeah. test. There's this test. It's called an ACE test, adverse mm-hmm. childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually, went through some treatment and I took that test uh, not too long ago on my road to rediscovery um, mm-hmm. in my late forties. And that test revealed um, very, a very high number. And when I sat down with um, the uh, doctor that the, the, the psychiatrist that went over with me, he said, statistically, you should be dead or in jail based on wow. your scores on these, on this ACE test. He said most yeah. people turn to drugs, alcohol, violence, gang activity, yes. pornography, yes. obsessive compulsive mm-hmm. eating and gambling, right? Or a combination of all of them. And yeah. you you turn to workaholism and extreme sports. And yes, that was um, socially acceptable, but man, it was still dangerous, and it was dangerous in the form of my angst, my anger, my tension would be, mm-hmm. I would take the office home with me. I would take a bad day home with me. And I would, I would yell at the kids for, for having the TV on too loud. And I was that, that was how I acted out with that adverse, that childhood adverse yeah. experiences in my later years, it took, it took a lot of, we talk about unpacking, it, take, it took a lot of uncovering and peeling back mm-hmm. to figure all of that out. Because I grew up saying my childhood was normal. Like yeah. I would tell stories matter of factly as if like, you know, it, it was a conversation at the dinner table when I got put through the wall, knocked unconscious and had to patch it up the next day. You, you know, mm-hmm. what'd you have for dinner? We had, we had steak and potatoes, you know, like, so it was just kind of, it was that kind of um, feeling up until recently, and that 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 adverse test, the childhood, uh, um, the ACE test certainly um, shed some light shed some light on that. And then the question that that follows that is, you know, with your workaholism and your extreme sports, what are you running to or from? And right. That was, that was the question that was asked of me, and. Mm-hmm. Man, I was running from my dad to show, we talked about this earlier, to show him that I'm capable, yeah. to show yeah. him that I'm not who he is or who he thinks I am. And so mm-hmm. that carried on into the adult years too. But again, it certainly had, we certainly had our, our, our consequences um, with that. Again, I didn't go down to the, 
to the, 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 the violence and, and some of the other stuff that, that could have been a rough road. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, I was, I was wondering, you know, what, what caused you to take the path of workaholic or workaholicism and, uh, and, and, and physical activities, you know, working out, you know, versus, uh, it's a natural default, I think, for people to revert to um, relapses, self-medicating, you know, violence, uh, that sort of thing. But but you went this this direction, and it seems like that ACE test may have um, given you some revelations as to why you went that direction versus everyone else. Yeah, it, it helped. It helped me understand. It helped me cool. understand. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had another point you wanted to mention? No, I was, it, it was, I, I probably would rather be on the field than smoking dope behind this, behind the, the school in the schoolyard, you know? So yeah. maybe that's why I went on the wrong path or I'd rather be making money and working than, than, you know, going, going down the wrong, the wrong road here. And maybe yeah. that, yeah. I enjoyed those. I enjoyed uh, those paths more than the alternative. Understood. Understood. And so, um, you know, as you were saying, you brought up a very good point of um, in reflection, right? There's a question we must ask ourselves and it sounds like um, it was presented to you. Am I running towards something or running from something? Right. Um, one other question I think that may come to the table, I'm not sure if it has in your journey, but if you could share, if, if possible, um, when you do these things, you know, I'll show him when you're showing him, uh, quote unquote, you know, are, are you doing it? Are you, are you, what you're doing? Are you doing it for him or are you doing it for yourself? You know, um, performing great in sports, um, you know, who are you doing it? for uh, did you did, were you ever faced with that question uh at any part of this journey it's a very profound deep question and it's a great question um so i i do know and it was a lot of uh reflection on what why i you know who i was doing doing it for yeah i want to bring this full circle i was mm-hmm. i was doing it for spite initially mm. Yeah, I was motivated to. It was my way of revenge. I yes. will show you. I will. I will earn this. I will. I will make that. I will become this person to show yes. you. It was a form of revenge. But here's the thing: a lot of people turn to. I'll. I'll show you revenge to carry them through life. Man, yeah. does that get exhausting. That mm-hmm. will see you if you don't if you don't figure out to run to the reward once in a while. Right. It's like, it's like so this kind of this kind of lays out perfectly. When I would train for an Ironman or a marathon, or I would work towards a, a, a goal, a, a work yeah. goal, or a, a, you know some type of accomplishment or achievement, I had blinders on and I was just steamrolling and just knocking everything out of its path. Not seeing yeah. anything, not taking anything in. And the problem with that is I hit the goal and it was on to the next thing. And and who did I 
Who did I hurt along the way? Who did I miss along the way? What birthday did I miss? What, what did, you know, did I, did I not go to my kid's recital? Did, so what did I not do? What did I miss? So this is where now I run for the reward. I do the reward. And that is to stop on the journey and look around and take that breath yes. in and high yes. five the people that are supporting you and hug the people that care and thank everybody that lifted you up and not yes. steamroll and have motivation, a screw you attitude, because that mm -hmm. will, that will rip you apart. It can't, it can take you so far and it can, and you can use it once in a while. You hear that term bulletin board material, but bulletin board material on that bulletin board every single day just gets old. You can use it right. once in a while right. motivation, but, but, mm -hmm. but then you have to compartmentalize it and then enjoy some of these things that you're you're going towards yeah that's true right stop and smell the roses you know for for a little while and uh and and be more thoughtful and strategic in your growth uh and the things you achieve and succeed in just as you have bill and 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 and, and celebrate those wins celebrate uh the time with your family celebrate those birthdays uh celebrate you know your son winning his first uh, not whole baseball game, you know, and, and those, those are very, very important things. And um, at what point in your adulthood did you discover this? Well, I, I, I've discovered it all along the way because the motivation okay. was I will not, I will not be him. Right. 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 That was, that was it. But I was still, I was still, him in other ways so like one of the things yeah. i did was i coached my kids and i had a job in sales that i could take off and be flexible so i could go to my daughter's dance recitals and cheerleading competitions mm -hmm. and i could coach my son in football and baseball and and right. hockey and lacrosse and all these things i coached him since he was five year old five year five years old all the way through high school and yeah. so like I did those things because that wasn't done. That wasn't done for me. You know, I made right. sure I showed up there, but what right. I didn't do that I realized later is I did bring the tension into the house. I did bring yeah. my anger into the house. I did bring my bad days right. afterwards when I didn't see my kids all day. And instead of hugging them, I was saying, you know, shut that TV down or, or whatever. <laughs> and, right. and, and that was him. So it's a process, right? And that's part of the journey. Yeah. It's like, let's figure this out and just try to get better and grow every, grow every single day um, to understand that you're still gonna, you're still gonna learn. And we're still gonna, we're still gonna get better as we go through this. Oh, totally, totally. Bill, you have a tremendous uh, sense of self-awareness and, and, and I can tell in your, in you saying, you know, um, you realize that, you know, uh, uh, shades of your father were coming through in, in things that you would say or snap at your children for having the TV on or something. And, uh, and, and, but you had the self-awareness and the wherewithal to recognize that and to also understand that it's part of the journey and that, you know, this is something that you are processing through. And, and I think uh, I've always said on, you know, on, on, on this show, uh, self-awareness is the foundational cornerstone of 
four cornerstones to personal growth, right? Self-awareness, gratitude, humility, and service to others. Self-awareness has to happen first for any of those to happen. And you have a tremendous amount of, um, a tremendous sense of self-awareness, um, which, which to me is, um, to me, you know, that, that just speaks volumes to where you are today. Today, but self-awareness also begins with self-love and I never had that. Right. So, and you're absolutely right. I am self-aware now, but like I was self-aware about most of myself, except me, my younger child that I, I told you that the matter of fact stories of, you know, the ridicule, shaming and beatdowns. But Aubrey, yeah. if you told me, you know, your son went through this or, or your daughter or your neighbor's kid or your, your niece or nephew went through some of the things, I would be here and I would well up and I would get teary eyed. But when I told those stories a couple of years ago, I was be like, yeah, no big deal. I was that was life. That's how that's how it rolled. But when you start to get that self-love and, and start to getting touch and love your younger self, man, yeah. that changes everything so then you can start to heal right yeah and here's the that's right. thing so yes I, i'm saying I, I i did everything to spite my dad and everything now could you imagine we're on this show the road to rediscovery and i'm talking um about how painful my childhood was and i and i have ill will towards my father i don't and i never really had um mm-hmm. I, I i there is there forgiveness? I don't even really, I don't even really go to the forgiveness card because I didn't really hold it against him. I just wanted him to, to change who he was, but I have no ill will. So, but if you do, if you've been wronged, it is so important, first of all, to forgive yourself. Don't blame Absolutely. yourself. Forgive yourself if you've been wronged yep. or you feel like yep. you've been wronged. But here's yep. where the magic happens is if you felt wronged and you're able to forgive and love yourself, try practicing forgiving that other person where you feel ill will or you feel mm-hmm. wrong. And if you can do that, wow, do the floodgates open and let's take it a step further. Not only forgive, but send blessings. If you can send blessings out yeah. and say, you know what, I just, hey, we're done or, you know, I forgive you or, you know, we're on another chapter in our lives, either together or not together or whatever it is. But I wish you the best. And I wish this for you, because if you root for karma, you're asking the universe to proverbially strike you down with lightning. You know, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't root for that. And that's why I say that revenge as motivation. Yes, you can use that to fuel you, but you don't want to use that to wish ill will on others. I swear right. that, that comes back to you like a boomerang. Oh, tenfold, exponential, exponential. And and as you were saying this, Bill, uh, it reminded me of just the um, the brilliantly titled chapter one of your book, Make Peace with Your Past. And, you know, I, I, I'd love for you to share a little more insight on what that means um, beyond the obvious, right? So making peace with your past, making peace with someone who has directly wronged you. But then there are some people that may have played parts that may have been um, uh, a part of the experience from an indirect perspective. 
Okay. And, uh, and if you don't mind me asking or, 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 or saying this, um, an example, for instance, like your, your, your mother was uh, very emotional about, you know, just um, wishing that she could have done more and, and so forth. So um, I would imagine there's some peace in that regard. Um, I'm not, not saying forgiveness, but some peace in that regard of, of your past that, um, that, that, that needs to be uh, addressed as well. Yeah. So I actually went through uh, an intensive, right? So we had to unpack our, our, uh, it was called our trauma egg. And this is when I learned a lot of this stuff. And I talked to you yeah. about the eight test. And one of the things, yeah, one of the things they want us to do is remember what happened to us before we we're five. Do you know, I couldn't remember a damn thing. And really, and so I called my mother and my sister and I called my mother and I said, Ma, what, what happened? She's like, I don't remember anything. And you know, what's happened is like during the beatdowns of ridicule and the shaming and all this other stuff, I don't ever remember seeing her in the room as a kid. And I, 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 she may have disappeared subconsciously. She may have removed herself. Like, I think she just didn't want it. And she didn't remember. She, she, we hung up the phone. And this was, this is when I was in that intensive a few years ago. She called me back less than five minutes later, hysterically crying. Mm. And she was telling me story after story after story. Mm. And all stuff just flooded out. And she's like, I, and she, she just told me the other day, she listens to these podcasts. Ma, I love you if you're listening. Um, and she, she, she said, I was a bad mother. I was such a bad mother. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I was like, Ma, you did the best you could. You know, we grew up in an Irish Catholic, um, Irish Catholic, lower middle class um, uh, neighborhood in the, in the, in the 70s. And mm -hmm. like the, the, the wife, the mom couldn't quote unquote, unquote leave. What am I going to do? I'm not working. I'm going to stay at home. Mother, there's only one car. There's only, so it's like, that's, they felt, they felt barricaded in. So she starts telling me all these stories about being harnessed to cribs and being put underwater to stop crying and all this stuff like yeah. waterboarding. Right. And, yeah. and I said, I said, my, don't, don't beat yourself up. There's nothing you did wrong. You just weren't, you weren't physically present and you didn't think you were capable of doing enough to prevent whatever you, whatever you did see. And so I can't say it enough that, that I've, that she's a great mom and that if she does want me to tell her, I forgive her, I forgive her, but I don't, <laughs> I never held anything against her. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, so, I do. So th that, so when you say indirect, I think I knew where you're going with that. And, and that's, that's how that's played out over the years um you know and with my father it's just it's it's he's still around and it's 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 awkward but you know i don't i would love to see him turn his life around and leave, leave a legacy somehow and and yeah. give back and be a community person and you know be a good grandfather if yeah. he chooses to but i but i used mm -hmm. to i used to kind of push that out there to him and mm -hmm. it's up to him to make that decision i can't i can't make anybody's legacy for them they can only make their own legacy yeah yeah uh so true in fact as you were mentioning that i had a question for you regarding your father and you know i i think it's moot at this point right i mean there there's there's nothing we can't go into the heads of other people and figure out what makes them tick or why they treat us the certain the way they do. Um, I, I, but, I, but if I can ask you, 
you know, Bill, um, have you ever thought of why he treats me like this? Um, you know, is he threatened by you? Is he threatened by the pressures of being a provider and the patriarch for the family? Um, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, those are just, those are just things we may speculate, but, you know, there, there really is no answer. We won't know the answer, um, but have, has it ever, it sounds like it hasn't crossed your mind as much because you have such a, such a kind, thoughtful heart not to even <laughs> hold it against them for doing those things. Um, therefore there's no reason to forgive. Um, can you, can you share with us some insight on that? Yeah. Um, I just, I always wanted him to see that he was a jerk. Like, understand yeah. you're a jerk. Like, so, so let's, and, and, and I was too, right? So when we talk about mm -hmm. bringing that tension home and taking it out on the family, that's being a yeah. jerk. All right, it's being yeah. a jerk. Mm -hmm. But he lived being a jerk. And he never saw that. And I just, I wish he did. So then, it, then it's time, you know, when you get older and you retire and everything, to start to figure out, you know, you know what, I got to figure out a way to make this place a better place today that I'm, mm -hmm. while I'm still here mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. should happen. And I used to try to push that and I can't yeah. make, make that happen. And so I don't, I, I don't know um, if that will ever happen, but I can't root for it. All I can right. hope is, is hope that it does. Yeah. I'm not sure if I answered the question. Um, no, you did. And, and, and I appreciate it. And, and it's a reflection, like I said, of your thoughtfulness and your kind heartedness. Um, and, and like I thought, you know, it, it is moot. I mean, it, it doesn't make any difference what we think is going in their heads as far as why. And, and you were clear in saying that, um, you know, you just wanted him to realize that he was a jerk, you know, and, uh, and so, yeah, you, you, you clearly answered, answered the question uh, for sure, Bill. Now, I wanted to ask maybe one more question on um, from a childhood to adulthood reflective perspective. OK, and then I want to talk about just some of the the, the, the great learnings that you've had and, and, and some of the great teachings that, you know, your book um, your, that readers can expect to get from your book, right? The value. So, um, so Bill, uh, one thing I uh, read that you shared, okay, is uh, talking about the relentless abuse from your father, right? Um, even as a baby, you talked about, you know, the waterboarding, holding you under a faucet in the kitchen um, to get you to stop crying and the physical and the emotional abuse, uh, from grades, uh, the chores, right? Pulling up the poison ivy and so forth. Uh, and then just out of the blue while you're sleeping, coming into your bedroom and ripping you from the bed, right? Um, I mean, I, I can't begin to imagine, you know, um, uh, how frightening that would be surprising and frightening and, 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 and laying down at night wondering, okay, is this going to be the night that he yanks me from, it? you know, and, and how do you even expect it? You're sleeping, you know? So um, you mentioned, you mentioned, and I quote in your book, um, 
I tried to forget those nights, but I clearly didn't because as an adult, I would always sleep close to the door. I didn't realize it at first, but that's what I did. Can you explain how you connected the dots to come to that realization that brought you back to the nights that you were ripped out of your bed? Because there's some reflection that was going on there that to make you come to that realization. Yeah. Um, so I had, I had, when I was younger, I had a bunk bed. And so if I thought I was going to, if, if I did something wrong and I knew I was going to pay the price when he got, when he got home, mm -hmm, I, I, mm -hmm. prepared, I barricaded. So I would like take stuffed animals and I would either put it on the top bunk or the bottom bunk so I could prepare and wake up in time mm -hmm. for, for what was coming. Um, mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it was uh, it booby trap them on the top bunk. So I'd be on the bottom bunk when I get yanked out and when I hit the floor, it wasn't as hard because I wasn't, it wasn't as far of a landing. Um, right. But, right. In all seriousness, I did do that, but, but what, what what I realized is in relationships, whether I was in high school, college, uh, up through here I am in my 50s, you know, if I'm in a hotel room, if I'm with my significant other or whatever, I need to be, I need to be to the side of the door. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I, I wasn't a good sleeper until probably the last couple of years, I would sleep basically mm -hmm. with one eye open. And I never mm -hmm. really understood that, but I would always be next to the door um, on that side, just because I felt like I needed to protect whoever I right. was with. Mm, I see. I see. Protect myself. And it was, and I would always just, you know, whatever room I was in, it was always, always shut the door. So then that would give yeah. me more time, you know? Right. Um, right. I think I've been practicing martial arts for the last 10 years and it, I think I've been able to breathe a little bit better. It's not, not because I know self-defense. It's just because, you know, we do like, we do a lot of situation stress situations. So it's been able to um, desensitize some of those, some of that trauma. Mm, and good. that's uh, that was to, to answer that question on the, on the, on the lesson or the, or connecting um, what happened yeah. there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for, for sharing that for sure. Really sure. appreciate it, Bill. So um, in your book, man, I mean, uh, there's all sorts of, I hate the term nuggets, but anecdotes, um, very uh, profound uh, discoveries that you've had in your journey and, 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 and things that you are um, encouraging the reader or encouraging others you know, to, to do that's more introspective, like you said, self-love, right? Beyond self-awareness, but self-love. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I, I just, I just want to know, um, this book can apply to just about anyone from all walks of life. Is that right? Yeah. I originally thought it was towards, you know, 30 to 60 year old men, yeah. But then something interesting happened is a lot, a lot of the ladies out there were reading the book and they were like, this helped me with my workout and, and this helped me here. And now I understand why my husband or my dad or someone acted this way because of what they went through. And, right. and so like, there's been a lot of that um, connection. Um, okay. So it, it does apply 
it does apply to all walks of life. And I, I originally just thought I wanted to help help some of the dudes out there. And yeah. uh, but it's really it's really um, connected um, with the with the females too, and um, helping them understand either their their, their themselves. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's been it's been nice. There, um, the ladies are a little bit more vulnerable to share their stuff. But when when the guys share it, I mean, I know. I grew up with some of the toughest dudes, like man's man, like dudes, you know? Like oh yeah. 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 <laughs> tough sons of guns. Right. And, and yeah. he's got calling like Murph, you know, I never knew you had that bad. I, I knew you kind of, I knew your dad was a jerk, but I didn't yeah, know you yeah. had that bad. And he's and uh, like, I'm so glad you shared because I, something happened here and this happened here. And, yes, and so like, yes. you know, they would be, they would be, in tears almost as they express mm. that and and i i never would even imagine some of these guys you know crying to me right right and they're and so like i actually thought i, I was gonna get punked a little bit from the guy's guy be like man you for- you told it all that's sacred stuff dudes don't talk like that but i got oh for opening up in the book yeah i got none of that i i got oh, i, I I'm so thankful that I didn't get any of that, but it's wonderful. Because, because everybody, everybody can connect and it's just not talked about. Yes. Aubrey, here's the scariest thing. Um, men are four times more likely to commit suicide than women. And why is that? Wow. Why is that? Because repression, women, it sounds like they're repressing. They're holding it in. They, they, they don't talk yeah. about it because you're not supposed to talk about it. The stereotype is you don't talk yeah. about it. Men don't cry. Right. Ladies, you got to go get help. But they do. Mm. And they talk about it. And they release. And they have cope. They can cope. Men, yes. hold it in. And then you, you just hear some of these horrific stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's amazing, man. And, and, you know, you and I, we are of the same generation. You know, my father was old school. Um, you know, um, being African-American, um, trying to make an honest living to, to, to provide for his family. And during a time when, you know, African-Americans made significantly less than, you know, their counterparts, um, opportunities for good positions and, and so forth were, were far more difficult to obtain for an African-American. But, you know, he didn't have to deal with that as much because I'm a military brat. Both my parents served, but, um, uh, but going back to old school, right. Yeah. That way of thinking, which is what our fathers put on us, or at least my father put on me, you know, men don't cry. Okay. You don't show that sensitive side. Um, you know, you, you get hurt, you tough it out. Uh, that sort of thing. You know um, there is no process your feelings. You know, uh, and, and that's how it was uh, growing up, you know, and, and, and it's just it's to me, it's just a huge release. And and it's a huge relief that these mm-hmm. men have opened themselves up to you after you initiated it through your book and say, hey, that's happened to me, too. I was in your shoes in that same situation you mentioned in chapter two um, and, and, and down in tears because it's happened to them as well. You know, you give people a sense of hope through your book, Bill, and, 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 and sharing and being vulnerable and opening up your world and what you've encountered, you know, so they can realize for themselves, Hey, 
I can thrive from this and not let it beat myself, beat me up uh, through, you know, for the rest of my days. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you, Bill, um, you have not allowed what happened to you in the past to define who you are. At least that's what I'm picking up from this. Um, uh, what, what defines you as who you are today or, or, or your future self? Oh, wow. There's been, so there's been moments when I've misstepped big time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it feels rock bottom. And how am I gonna how am I gonna get out of it? And that's yeah. am I gonna let these circumstances be my identity, or am I gonna get that shovel and dig my way out and keep moving? Again, are the circumstances gonna be my identity? Are they gonna define yep. who I am? And and that's that's what a lot of people do. And that's the convenient excuse to say I had it so bad. I am who I am because of my parents, because of my grandparents, because of my upbringing, mm -hmm. because of the people I hung around. I had it this way. I had it that way. You can, you can, you can help yourself no matter how yeah. bad it was, what, whatever adversity that you faced, you know, you have a choice to, yes. to rise up. And so I never let it, I never took the victim mentality, even though I may have been on the ground a few times wondering yeah, yeah. what my mm -hmm. next step was in life or even that mm -hmm. moment as mm -hmm. I lay there either either because I did something wrong or something was done to me but I knew that I always had to get up and do something about it and take action and not let the adversity define me and so, right. you know, the, the mindsets there are the victim mindsets. When you have these low levels of uh, low levels of emotion, which is depression, sadness, anger, um, hostility, revenge, hopelessness, helplessness, powerlessness, and you let that bring you down. You could survive and just wait for the storm to pass and and just say, "I'm getting by." Okay, fine. Nothing's nothing good or bad may happen in that situation. You're just you're coasting. But then you can go thrive. And that's to take right. the action. And that's to give, that's to forgive. That's to find love. That's to find peace. That's to find happiness. And but you have to do that through a process of being thankful for the things that you do have. And that's your blessings. Yes. And people say, Well, I don't have any blessings. That's easy for you. You have money, you have this, you have that. No, you know what? You do have blessings. You have air you're breathing right now. You have a that's roof right. you have food <laughs> in your belly. You have yeah. You may have great kids. You may have kids that you need to reconnect with. You may have parents that are still around that you can that you can call up. I mean, you have blessings in your life. Find those blessings. That will change your identity. And if you are letting that victim mentality and mindset define you, you can find a thriving mindset with with the blessings that you can identify very quickly, and that will change your physiology as well. I got you. I got you. And you talked about mindset and, and I appreciate you, you, you know, you, you doing that because I want to see, um, and I think you mentioned it somewhere in your book, um, hardening your mindset. Um, what does that mean and where does it play 
in the different mindset patterns that you just mentioned, the victimhood mindset, you know, um, the transformation mindset, um, what does it mean to harden your mindset? And is it helpful? Is it harmful? How can the listeners um, uh, apply that or look out for that, depending on, you know, um, whether or not it's helpful for them? Yes. Yeah, so I used to think, so when I, when I define that, I was thinking as, you know, hey, all right, we, we identified it and it's in the book. I, I, I realized I was depressed. And again, old school growing up, if a man was depressed, you would be soft. So I said, I got to harden my mindset here and prove, again, we're proving something yeah. that I can do whatever it takes, still have depression and flourish and thrive by doing great things, whether it's the sports or work or, or being a good dad or, or whatever it is. And I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to be soft and let that define me. I'll be hardened. But when you, when you harden things, you're doing things that are, that are, um, you, you're building that stress muscle. So you're, you're not coasting anymore. You're doing things that are going to stretch you. You're getting out yeah. of your comfort zone, whether it's, yeah. If you're in sales and you're prospecting, you say, you know, what? I'm going to prospect an hour and you get nothing. And you know what? You get to prospect two hours. Well, now this becomes hard. And now it's not yes. fun. And now you have to do the hard things to get to where you want to go. Hey, you're going to go run a marathon. Well, if you if you only walk up and down your stairs to practice to get to the marathon, you're not going to do that. So you're going to get that resilience, that toughness, the awareness built in. So you, you're building up all these muscles and you're hardening your mind and creating that thriving mindset. But it started with, I won't be soft. I got to harden. I got you. I got you. Kind of like, and it seems like when you're working out, right? You're building your calluses yeah. because you're doing the work. Yes, the absolutely. Yeah. And, and it sounds, um, I don't want to say synonymous, but it sounds like there's themes of mental strength and mental toughness that's involved in, in, in that hardened mindset. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. All right. hundred percent. Couple uh, more questions uh, here. I really, really appreciate this conversation, Bill. Um, if there is one primary message from this book that you want the leader, the, the leaders that you want the readers to, uh, to get one significant takeaway from this book if they don't get anything else from it what would that takeaway be no matter what your past is your future is spotless go get it go after it clean canvas love it love it awesome and bill um if you could sum this up in one sentence, okay, looking back on your entire journey, um, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, um, the abuse, um, the successes, um, what would you say if you can make one sentence from that entire journey, what is your, your road to rediscovery? Make peace with your past, settle all your, settle all your unfinished business. Mm -hmm. Don't let adversity define you. Count your blessings. 
towards that thriving mindset. Love it. Love it, man. Bill, is there any, um, is there any way you can share with the listeners how they can learn more about your journey, pick up a copy of your book and, and, and just follow you? Sure thing. We're on all socials. If you go to thrivinginthestorm.com, we release a, a weekly newsletter blog on there. A lot of it's getting out of your comfort zone and making peace with your past. We've been covering a lot of biohack stuff that's we've been practicing and working through some things. Uh, it's all about the mental health and overall well-being. Uh, physical health as well. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of um, physical things that we we talk about as well as mental exercises. So um, the book is wherever books are sold, Amazon, and um, you can also get it on our website and reach out to us. Awesome. Thrivinginthestorm.com. We will have links to the website, links to your socials, and links to Amazon or wherever else they can purchase the book in the episode show notes so the listeners can click those links, get more information while listening to this wonderful conversation. Bill Murphy, everyone. Bill, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really, really appreciate you sharing your journey and your insights. Thank you, Aubrey. You uh, went deep with me, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate you going deep with me, man. (laughs) Uh, And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. And hey, look, if you have a loved one, a colleague, a coworker, a friend, relative, a neighbor who may not be acting themselves lately, you know, maybe they're going through some dark days of despair, not quite sure where to turn or who to turn to, I humbly ask that you please share this show with them because on the road to rediscovery, we want our listeners to know two things. Number one, you're not alone. And two, there's always hope. The Road to Rediscovery, it's a movement, a revolution. And guess what? You are now part of it. We're all roadies on this journey of life. And it sure feels good having you on the road with me. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat again soon. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of The Road to Rediscovery. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at roadsrediscoverypodcast at gmail.com and leave us any questions or comments you may have.